Welcome. This is Kim Addis from Frame of Mind Coaching, and I am the host of Resilience Radio, where I interview guests who are professionals at crushing the tough stuff. Today, my guest is a very interesting, fascinating, unusual guest. His name is Robert Lucas, a.k.a. Bobby Honu. Bobby, are you with us? I am. Good morning, Kim. How are you? Aloha. Aloha. So we are talking to you from Maui. Indeed, where it is bright, sunny, and pleasant as could be. Uh, excited to be connecting with you today. Okay, so I mean, I am really excited by your story. You used to live in New York. You were getting ready to become a lawyer. Were you in law school? Well, uh, I didn't. That was the intention and ultimately uh, went towards special needs, uh, realizing that I wasn't going to change the system as I saw, as I thought, and as I hoped but rather I would aim at the children before they got into the system, before uh, the world started to take a toll on them. And uh, yeah. And it seems like the world took a bit of a toll on you too in New York. So what was going on at the time? Like what was happening and why make that dramatic and sudden change to move from New York to somewhere like Hawaii? Basically, you know, I was always a bit different. (laughs) Uh, None of the things that society, you know, um, held in high esteem there was of interest to me. I didn't care what car people drove. I didn't care what your bank account looked like. I didn't care about any of those things. I cared about people. I cared about connection. I cared about what brought happiness. And um, I had the good fortune of always uh, going to Jamaica on vacation. And I watched as these people in what would be assumed a third world country um, were happy as clams, no money, but no problems. And, or, or if they did have problems, they knew how to deal with them in a, in a way that elevated. And I was surrounded by people with a lot of money who were miserable. And it really caused me to start to think outside the box. Okay. So I want to, I want to pause there because we're going to jump. Don't worry. I'll take you there before, before we go. So what, what was the difference between those Jamaican people who may have had problems, but didn't let those problems get to them. And maybe the very wealthy population who, who were fortunate financially, but weren't so happy. What is the difference between those people? What I think I ultimately came to, and I think what's been the basis for where I am now, is not adhering to these societal pressures and norms of where we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be, um, but really being able to tap in to our truest selves and elevate above um, external circumstances, but find our true happiness, our true voice, our true self-expression. And I think uh, that these people beat to a drum that is natural, you know, whether it's nature, whether it's their own inner voices, uh, there's really a disconnect from all of that pressures of you're supposed to look like this, you're supposed to act like that, you're supposed to have these things. And I think in the society that I was groomed in, and I think that so many of us in uh, mainland USA go through our I have to be the way everyone thinks I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, that old saying, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I'm who you think I think I am, right? Like this, ah, this crazy pressure to be something outside of what we just connect within ourselves, if we even know how to connect to ourselves anymore, you know? So were you feeling that pressure in New York? 
Oh, absolutely. I went to an all boys high school, which was the best of the best groomed for business. Half of these guys are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies today. You know, not knowing what direction to go as a child because my parents split very young. Uh, I said, well, listen, if my parents aren't right because they can't figure out how to how to make things work, maybe I need to find a, a different teacher. And I immersed myself in the most pragmatic, intense schooling, thinking that was the way. I also immersed myself into religion. I immersed myself into the church. I would say rosaries on the way to school every morning and go to confession twice a week, you know? Wow. And then, How old oh were you God. when you were doing that? Oh, I was 12, 13 years old. Wow. Yeah. And that brought me into, you know, through my high school years, which in my 11th year, grade, um, I took a philosophy class where there was a philosophy class and I went, wait a second, this is true too. <laughs> no, hold on a second. Oh, these people believe this and that's true too. Oh my gosh, what have I been doing? And then, you know, I started to go down the rabbit hole, uh, ultimately immersing myself in philosophy in Fordham with the intention of going law, as I said, but ultimately bringing me to a whole new realm of understanding. Okay, so what was the, 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 I guess, the straw that broke the camel's back? In other words, what was the moment where you said, okay, I'm out of here? What was yeah. that decision-making moment? See, you know, I, 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 diverging from law and aiming at children, the intention was to um, put myself into an altruistic position, to support people from a people level. And eventually I was running schools and it wasn't about the kids anymore. It was politics. It was money. You know, oh, this kid might be perfect for our program, but they, they can't afford to come to this school. What? You know, and I understand there's a bigger picture, but I wasn't trying to be part of that. And I stepped out um, saying there's got to be a different way, you know, this, and it's not in this place. And I didn't know where I was going to go. Honestly, Kim, I said, the next place I go on vacation, I'm staying. I thought I was going to Italy and I thought I was going to work grapes in a field. And yeah, I had no idea what was coming and ultimately wound up, uh, on a spontaneous trip to Hawaii and never looked back. And wow. it's been a okay. transformation ever since for sure. So how many years have you been living in Maui? I moved here in 05. So we're at uh, okay. we're at the end of 04, beginning of 05. So we're going on, you know, 14, 15 years. Okay. So you moved there and you say you had a transformation. Describe that transformation. Basically, my, my New York persona was a very pragmatic, very psychological self. You know, I saw things um, in a very A plus B equals C. And, um, you know, that's, that's how we were groomed for business. And this is where you were supposed to be here and how things were to be done. Getting here opened me up to a whole world of energetics, um, a deeper human connection. Since I moved here, I became a hypnotherapist. Um, I've worked with behavioral modalities that also included, you know, the subconscious and um, energy and vibrational energy and, you know, uh, uh -huh. a whole nother world. I ran with the crew of The Secret for a while that, wow. you know, Michael Beckwith uh, was um, was became a friend as a result of my ex-girlfriend. Uh, it was her godfather, you know, so I was with a whole group of really powerful, energetic, transformative people that were working more on the metaphysical than they were on this astral plane physical realm. And uh, I just learned a lot. And it, I, I feel that 
the most difficult thing is to be so well-educated because once I know something, I'm responsible to adhere to it. And it's just been a journey of learning and thus growing and morphing into what I've come to understand. Okay. So, and at some point you, you showed up and you said, Hey, I have a grandmother. (laughs) Tell us that story. So, in, in the transformation of becoming a hypnotherapist, I had this deep awareness that everything that came before me uh, allowed me to be who I am, you know, because she was, I was. And I, my family on that side was very estranged. I didn't really grow up very tight with my grandmother, who at this point was 102 years of age. Okay. So this woman lived a long life uh, in New York, had never seen Jersey. In 102 years, this woman never left Brooklyn, Garden City. I mean, she grew up and never left the streets of of that area. And I'm in this magical place at this point for about seven years. And uh, I said, you know what? She was she was very old and she was passing. She had been removed from her assisted living uh, because it was no longer appropriate. And she was going to be in a really intense place, like four cots in a room, sloppy Joe, you know, kind of put on the tray. And I just was like, absolutely not. You know, I don't know if she's going to make the flight, but send her to me, you know, she can live out her days, whatever it be a week, a couple of months, whatever it is, it's a small sacrifice to pay for the baseline for who I am now. Little did I know, Kim, six years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Six years. And, and, uh, it, it brought me to a whole new level of understanding, you know, in the world of special ed, in the world of, um, working with children, I realized that I could bring first constantly. Children are always seeing with new eyes because it, everything's new. But what I saw with grandma by bringing her here was that I can help people see with new eyes constantly. And I can help break down or tear down the ceilings and the veils that they put in front of themselves, limiting them and open them up to new possibilities. And I did this with a centenarian, this woman who, you know, had this structured way of being ultimately over it and dying. Now, all of a sudden was seeing whales for the first time, seeing Mm -hmm. and really appreciating a rainbow, being on a boat, being in the jungle and sitting near a waterfall and feeling the spray on her face. And I just woke up and I said, this is something that I can do for anybody. This is a gift that I could bring to a 20 year old and a 75 year old and a 95 year old, shoot a 102 year old. So that's what I did. Okay. So go back. Cause I want to know what life with grandma was like, like, did you wake <laughs> up, have breakfast together? Like, what was that like? Did you live in the same home? Did it she was... live near you? What? like, I mean, give me a little detail on that. Well, I'll tell you, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So I thought, you know what? I had just started a hypnotherapy company at the time, Subconscious Solutions, Epic. I was getting to be known as the guy on the island that could help you work through your things and support you in change, right? Get grandma here, think I'm going to put her in a room, put her in front of the TV and do my therapies. Oh, that was not the way it was. (laughs) I was my joke is I tell people just relax and breathe and go deeper and deeper. And you'd hear Robbie, Robbie from the other room (laughs) with this old lady screaming that, where am I? Right. Wonderful though, because what eventually unfolded was, um, me having to separate from the hypnosis and try something else. Now she lived in an 800 square foot 
condominium with me where we had no money. I mean, I had nothing. I was just starting a new career. Uh, I had boxes as shelving and, and we were sitting on chairs that I found out that tourists had left behind, you know, little beach chairs and we didn't have much. And, um, slowly, but surely I started to, she started to get daycare. So it took about five months, six months before we started getting support from the state to give her support. Otherwise she was with me 24 seven, you know, uh, oh. all day, all night. And I could not leave her alone, you know? So it was a very interesting, a very interesting thing. Cause I was a single guy that, you know, if I wanted to go run with the bulls in Spain next weekend, I just booked a flight and went, I had no ties and no responsibilities. And I lived a very relaxed life. Now, all of a sudden I was, I say I was a single dad to a 102 year old, you know, who couldn't leave my side. So it was a very interesting transformation. So did you feel like that was limiting for you? Did you feel trapped? Did you think, what the heck did I just do? Did you think, when is she going to die? Like, yeah. I know that's a little crass, but what, no, what were you absolutely. thinking? All of these things, you know, it was, it was every day. It was really funny because the woman would wake up every morning and go, still here. You know, I'd open the door and see if she was there. She'd lift her head and go, I'm still around kid. And I'd say, okay, grandma, what are we going to do? And, and basically what it did was it, it didn't slow me down. As a matter of fact, it sped her up, you know, from the, from the world of no child left behind in New York, right. To now it's no grandma left behind. Grandma came with me everywhere, whether we went to the beach, whether we went, you know, I, and, 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 and understand Kim, I had this big lifted Jeep at the time. This thing was 35 inch tires. The thing was, you know, five inches off the, the base of the car, the, the, frame and I would have to lift her up and put her in the vehicle daily, you know, oh she'd go with me everywhere. I was hysterical. And what happened was I started a company where I would deliver paddle boards. I was the first person on the island to deliver paddle boards. What happened was I'd be out one day paddling. Grandma would be sitting on the, the wall of the beach. And um, I'm sitting here thinking, oh my God, people would love this. I bought a couple more paddle boards, put grandma on the front seat of the car and would drive around all day saying, Hey, you want to learn to paddleboard today? No one's going to say no to a 102 year old. So of course, just by the heart of it all, people followed me. And this began my reputation. I'd, I'd wheel grandma out to the beach. I'd take these, teach people to paddleboard and then ultimately leave them with the boards for the day, ultimately leading me into this tour company that I started uh, once grandma started to get covered. But we had a couple of funny stories in there. That is for sure. Um, all of them, I believe, tools, tools to strengthen me, tools to help me understand life and people um, better. You know, everything was a blessing. Everything was a learning opportunity. And I took it as that. You know, I mean, of course, there were very, very difficult moments that were so humbling where I would throw my hands in the air and sob you know, not knowing what to do. The society didn't help me. My family didn't help me. And I just didn't know what to do. I was out here alone, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, but we got through it. We got through it. And I, I created a really solid core group of friends. I made some tremendous relationships that not only supported her, but supported me. And, uh, it was a beautiful learning experience for sure. So you started a company. Tell us a little bit about what you do professionally. Um, well, the company started because of grandma, you know, um, the company's called, let me show you Maui. And it was under the guise of a tour company, right? No one wants to feel like they're getting life coached on vacation. Right. <laughs> so basically what I do and what my intention is, is what I call adventure therapy. And 
Uh, what I realized by bringing grandma out here, what I realized from my years of working with children and opening, opening doors for them is if I could tear for uh, what I realized with grandma, especially is if I could help support people by tearing down the ceilings and the walls and the confines that society's put on them, the belief systems that they've built up through the years that have started to jade them from living their fullest potential, their fullest life, their most enthusiastic and excited life, then nothing, nothing limited them anymore. There was nothing but potential and opportunity, you know? Um, and so this is what I started to do. I would take people out and I would teach them initially, teach them to paddleboard, which was already building them, building their confidence, building their excitement. Then I would take them to jaw dropping places to snorkel and they'd see new worlds and really experience new worlds. Um, and then we would pause, we'd have lunch and I take them to a waterfall, what I like to call moments with God, where they would just sit there and feel the majesty, the enormity of this universe, this, this planet, and really just go, wow, and be grateful. And I was really supporting people to look at possibility and to reconnect with that internal gratitude of possibility rather than look at the, I got these bills to pay. I've got this to do, blah, 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 blah. And, and currently now what I do is I really focus on each individual client. When they call me, I kind of have a small interview on getting to know who they are. And then I build a day around them. So do you work with widows or people who are widowed? Sure. I've worked with people from every walk of life. I've taken, uh, I, what my joke is I've taken people out who have realized how deep their love is for each other because they've noticed. And I've pointed out the romance and the genuine closeness. And I've had people get divorced at the end of my tours, not like immediately, obviously, but they really tune into themselves and, and see what they need. And their partner tunes into themselves and sees what they need. And they realize, wow, we've been really not connecting for a long time. And this is different. And I, I, I've taken people who are blind out and had them on paddle boards, like a dad teaching their child to ride a bike, you know, and, and don't worry, baby, I'm here. I got the bike. And really this guy's wow. paddling by himself, you know, on a paddleboard, completely blind. And I've Very taken quad quadriplegics out in kayaks and, and allowed them to float in the open ocean, listening to the songs of whales. So things that are not only bucket list, but things they, that you don't know, you don't know. And things that you don't know to even ask to try to do. And I'm feeling someone out and going, wait a second. I know how to blow your mind. Or I know how to, I want to support you in getting to the next level of possibility so that you can get there. And this island is full of those people who are inspirational. Eventually, I'm hoping to have retreats where these people expose themselves. I, I give them a platform to give, to let the world see them and hear their stories so that they can rise. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So when you look at your, your life now, your business, your life mm. personally and professionally, and I know that your grandma is no longer with us. I mean, mm. how did, how did that affect you? How did that kind of go down? You know, it was, it was seriously incredibly powerful. I, I tell all my tours, she's, she is still with me. I feel, um, uh, there's not a day that some miraculous thing happens that uh, really lets me know that there's someone watching, you know, that there's someone parting the clouds. I've got a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old in the car, and it's pouring rain. And I'm trying to take everybody to a waterfall. And the second we get there, the clouds part. It's, it comes down to a drizzle. And the second we get to the waterfall, the sun comes out. 
Mm-hmm. Someone's watching. Someone's doing something because there's not a tour that doesn't end up beautifully exactly what it's supposed to be. And everyone gets the lessons and the experiences they need. So, you know, I really feel that she is still there. But, you know, the transformation uh, from her passing actually was was beautiful as well. Instead of, you know, this commiserating and sadness. It was a celebration of life and honoring. As a matter of fact, I got her immortalized in a book um, by a guy named Paul Mobley. He did this uh, book called uh, Centenarians of the World, uh, uh, If I Live to Be a Hundred. And she's uh, amazing. I mean, her entire story is, is put out there and inspires others now. And her story continues to sp- inspire as I take people in the car and we discuss their possibilities. I say, you know, listen, you're not 108 yet. You got plenty of time. What do you want to make out of this life? You're only 50. Let's go, buddy. Get off your seat or let's go, sweetheart. Where do you want to go? You know? Right. So, so how do people find you? So you can find me at www.letmeshowyoumaui.com, the tag, uh, or the whatever for Instagram and trip advisors. Let me show you Maui Yelp. All that stuff is let me show you Maui.com. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how people have found me. Okay. So let me ask you a question. What is your greatest challenge now? It sounds like you're this guy who just lives sort of floating on a cloud, but you're human. What is your greatest current challenge? And, you know, you have a coach on the line. What question might you ask for this coach? Well, now, and I thank you for that is time management. As I'm growing, how do I manage my time as I'm building? I'm building this to create a platform now for others to shine, right? I've hired people on now that are lights in this world that don't understand or haven't figured out how to substantiate themselves in a sense of abundance. And I believe that the money that flows to us supports us so that we could pour out our time and energy and our gifts to others. And I'm now supporting people with that, the people that that are working with me. But my time, I'm exhausted. I have been go, go, going, and I'm learning how how to manage my time better, you know? So let let me say to you this. I work with a lot of senior executives who have the very same problem. They say, I don't have enough time. I need more time in the day, more hours in in the day. I have a time problem. And I will say there's no such thing as a time problem. There's only a thinking problem. Yes. What that means is that... Uh, we all have the same number of hours in any given day. And some of us use that time very differently than others. And the difference between you and let's say someone like Richard Branson Mm. is simply that he thinks differently and he thinks about himself differently, about his resources differently. And he has a vision for what's next, what he wants to do, what he wants to create. And so for me, the question will be, so like, You know, if I were to work with you as as a client, I would Mm. really sort of examine what is it that you're physically doing every day, all day. Let's look at it hour to hour, minute to minute. Let's just look at what is your time being used for? And then what we would do is say, okay, so what parts of that time are you loving? What parts Mm -hmm. of that time would you rather someone else do? And then we would create a structure and a strategy that would allow you to leverage your strengths and grow and touch more lives. Cause it sounds like that's part of your mission Yeah, and allow the structure and the resources to take over the rest. So while you're bringing more people in, I suspect that you're doing it at a, at a pace that isn't aligned with your vision. In other words, mm. your vision is far more ahead than your pace of growth. Yeah. 
And well, so what's been, what's been the challenge is finding those people that I can trust that, uh, that align with my vision and have the same, um, well, of course, no one's going to have the same passion, of, especially for someone else, but, but someone that's going to be committed. But why do you and, think that? Wait, wait. Why do you think that? Like, think about, my pa- think about what you're thinking. Yep. And that thinking is already limiting the resources coming through your door. That thinking is already saying, like, no one's going to be as into it as me. And right. maybe that's not true. Maybe that's what you're ending up attracting. Cool. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. right. And, and I'm speaking your language. You're right. I agree with it. No, right? You're so, on point. Then. <laughs> right. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I understand where you're coming from. I understand your energetic bent on life. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say to you that it's your thinking that's causing the problem, not your time. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And so one of the things we do is we ask our clients to journal. And why do we do that? Because we can see how they think in their journals and we can see yeah. the words they use, the language they use, the stories they tell. And in yes. those stories, your story is no one's going to be as passionate as me. And I'm not sure I can trust people. Right. Boom, boom. Absolutely. Right. You got it. So what, are you, what are you attracting? People who may mm-hmm. not be tra- trustworthy and people who are not as passionate as you. Yeah. Yep. Right. But why wouldn't someone be just as passionate about impacting another person's life? That's a pretty easy thing to get passionate about. Absolutely. Right. So, so what, so what are you doing? Actually, you're creating this situation where you're the only service delivery person at your level. You got it. You're not doing it consciously. Right. Of course. Of so course, your, but that's so subconscious job, that I'm all too familiar with right. when that's taken over. Absolutely. So your job is to say, what is it that I actually want? How would mm-hmm. I like this to look? Yeah. And then ask yourself, so what thinking, what beliefs do I have that are actually interfering with my ability to have what I want? And when yep. you are in your sweet spot, mm-hmm. then life flows easily and it's a lot easier to grow your, your strength, a lot easier. Love it. Bobby, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I love the story of your grandmother. I love the work you're doing with people. I think it's really interesting. And I think it's really, really needed in the world, really needed. And so I'm thrilled that you're out there. I'm thrilled that you turned your back on the career in law and you're pursuing this. Um, My hat's off to you. And for anybody who's listening, again, it's let me show you Maui. That's what you're looking up. Bobby, thank you.